Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Maybe Next Year, the second longest running podcast in Buffalo Bills, um, but probably the best one. My name is Frank. I'm Scott. I'm Paul. And uh, much the way that I threw down the gauntlet, the Buffalo Bills threw down the gauntlet, um, sort of kind of against the, the Los Angeles Chargers, winning uh, that football game by a score that is not available on my screen because I opened everything except the score. But it was a 27 to 17 victory for the charge, the Bills over the Chargers in Buffalo. Um, interesting game, not a a dynamic game in many regards. Certainly a lot of things happened. Uh, and I know there's a lot of this to me is a Rorschach Bills game. I think that this is qualifies as one of the handfuls of pictures that the shrink holds up to a Bills fan um, who has done too many chair, t- chair uh, table jumps um, and taken a couple too many bumps to the head, drank a few too many Labatt Blues, and says, what do you see? And so I ask uh, my first straight jacket uh, compatriot, Paul, uh, what, as I hold up this game to you, um, what do you see in this game? There's a there's a lot to see, and at the same time, not very much to see. Uh, and by that, I mean, you know, this this is so, we had a great uh, discussion last week on you know the the significance of their one point one and three quarter season trend of doing you know little in the third quarter and blowing opportunities to put teams away, and never seeing backup quarterbacks in the fourth quarter, et cetera, and Kind of exactly that's what happened here again, except this time it was the offense making really dumb turnovers and the defense, you know, bailing them out to keep this from ever getting, I think, less than a two score game at at any point. So the defense really did did a good job there. So this was kind of like watching uh, last year's bills more than than this year's bills. It's a. I, I reprimanded my past self last week for just saying, "Well, it's a win. A win's a win, and you have to be happy." So, last week Paul will reprimand this week's Paul for saying, "A win's a win, and you, you kind of got to be happy with it." But it is a caveat that, yeah, they won. They beat the Chargers the first time in what 12 years or something like that. It'd been a while, so it was nice to see them get that monkey off the back. I thought Herbert played very well. I thought his numbers would have been better if not for all the drop passes he had. And I think the defense did a good job of of scheming for him. I thought A.J. Klein was competent again and efficient. He leads all NFL linebackers in sacks in the month of November, which is just crazy. The uh, offense, you know, they kind of had to force feed Stephon Diggs because they couldn't give him anything downfield. They just kept throwing him short passes. Running game was rejuvenated, but again, we remembered why we don't have that ball Devin Singletary all the time. We were all in Pittsburgh last year for when he had a big fumble after a big run, uh, and he's had a tendency to do that for, you know, dating back to college. So that was disappointing. I look at this, by the way, Tyler Bass, I want to mention, just now he is Bassmatic at this point. His kicks are straight. It's beautiful to see. Um, but looking at, at the game on a, a larger scale, still disappointed that we didn't have a put-away game. I will give the caveat on that, that at the same time, the Chargers lost by 10 points was one of their biggest losses of the season. They played Kansas City tough. They played some big opponents tough all year. And so I think it was probably, we probably weren't going to expect to pull away from them. But it would have been nice to see them do that while they had the chance, you know? Uh, so I will say I'm I'm glad they won. 
I think next week's game is a bit more of a litmus test than we expected because the 49ers just knocked off the Rams on the road. Uh, but I'm really, really looking forward to what's going on two weeks from now. Uh, and then we can put put the, the debate to rest. Like, can they step up when it comes to, you know, beating the elite NFL team uh, that is the Pittsburgh Steelers? So that's kind of where I am after watching this game. Scott, I... Um... That was a long answer. Sorry. I was hoping, you know, for, I, I would obviously increase Paul's medications. Um, <laughs> just kidding. Um, but no, uh, it was actually not a long answer. I was trying to make a joke about how, like, if we were doing a Rorschach test, I'd be, I'd have stopped you. you know, uh, so I've ruined it now. So Scott, feel free to just answer however you want since I ruined the entire gimmick. Uh, yeah, no, I'll just talk about the game. If that's okay with you guys. <laughs> <laughs> did we just um, say we were the so, best podcast uh the bills out there this is just disregard the first five it's minutes. not saying much but you know no i mean so so uh yeah a couple things i mean i think the biggest thing for me to take away again and I, i've talked about it i think a weaker i think it was last it was last time we potted um about the arizona game and then maybe one or two other games um, where we've kind of talked about, at least I've, it's kind of struck me as the the maturity, uh, really the lack of maturity, I guess, of the team. And it's not like that, that kind of has a very pejorative con like construct to it, but it's really a very specific thing that I'm worried about in the idea that it doesn't really seem like they have the mental focus that is required to be an excellent team and put teams away um, put put talented teams away. Now, I don't know if the Chargers are really a, a good team, but they're certainly talented. I think we all remarked on Sunday after the game that this was there was a lot of talent on this team. As we said, Herbert was, was looking good. Um, Eckler, obviously, back and healthy, kind of shows he's a matchup problem for everyone. Bosa, obviously, we'll get to that he's basically a one-man wrecking crew. Um, obviously, and they were dinged up. So so certainly not a team that, that didn't have talent. Keenan Allen, a good player. Um, but one that the Bills, yeah, as we said, had the had the pick chance to put away at various points and then kind of had a series of miscues that a lot of various people had. And they were happening throughout their game. There was obviously the three turnovers in seven plays, which is obviously kind of an insane spike in 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 miscues that you're not going to see on a week to week basis. But you could point to a number of times throughout the game, whether it was. Um, kind of bad routes being run or, or passes that Allen shouldn't have thrown that got that didn't get intercepted, but maybe could have been or, or, or might have been if it was a better team or uh, times when Singletary ran straight into the back of somebody, but didn't really find the green blobs, as we were talking about on Sunday um, times, you know, even good guys who had in general, one of their better games like Klein being completely kind of shaked out of his shoes by Eckler on mm-hmm. one of the red zone plays. So, um you know, some of that you got to give credit to the other team that you're playing for, but too many of those were mental mistakes that this team um, has been able to get away with when they're playing inferior teams like the like the Chargers, and that they can't get away with when playing, um, at least can't get away with consistently when playing, you know, good teams like the Chiefs or the Steelers in in, in two weeks or whatever. Um, so that is the the biggest thing, and and we've talked about it before that this team can can really 
beat everybody, beat anybody if they if they put it all together. Um, and I think it just shows that that is not actually an easy an easy thing to do. I mean, it's not it's not something that every team can do all the time. Teams have to have a demonstrated kind of commitment and standards to come in and practice every day like you're playing every game and go into the game focused and not overhyped and understanding what you need to do to do your job and not um, kind of overthinking things or overplaying or trying to do too much. Those are all kind of um, learned behaviors and, and to a certain extent taught behaviors that come from the coaching staff um, and the and the leaders on the team. And I'm not saying that we can't get there or that we won't get there. It's just that it hasn't happened yet. And I'd say we have a lot of youth at key positions, at left tackle, at middle linebacker, at quarterback, obviously, where you're going to have some problems like that. Um, but if this season is going to go the way that we want it to go, they need to continue to grow up and understand that in some ways you don't even need to turn it on when it comes to playoff. You kind of need to start turning it on now so that you're you're ready to go and you're locked in. You're not trying to figure it out when you get to the playoffs. And I think they're trying to get there. They just can't. So. Well, once again, you two have stolen all of my thunder because we're just a smart podcast. And, it, it you know, I, I feel like um, – so thank you because I was literally must have been mentally – both of you took words directly out of my my brain as I was thinking them. Um, so so thank you. Uh, I'm glad to hear that we're we're on the same page. I just I, I suppose I view it. I don't even want to cast a pall on it because not a p a u l l but a p a l l on it. Right. Um. Because I, I think you know I, I was listening to Josh Allen speak and he was sounded sort of frustrated that they kept asking him about the mistakes and he certainly wanted to own up to it but he was really trying to emphasize like you know we won by double digits and we're eight and three and that's pretty good too even though we always you know there's always room to improve I think that one of the things that I have said maybe the last few weeks and like this was a game that cements it for me the Bills are not a perfect team the Bills are a good team and good teams make mistakes, but good teams tend to win. And I think the other thing is that, like, you can always look at a game and say, well, they should have done this better or they should have done that better. And that's just kind of everybody except for, you know, the like Chiefs. The, well, even the Chiefs. Right. I mean, look, we we talk, we get on. I was thinking exactly about the Chiefs because we get on the Bills for a third quarter lull. But, you know, they they were spanking the the. The, the Buccaneers last night, you know, 206 receiving yards in the first quarter for uh, Terry Kill. And, you know, that that comes down to not exactly the last play, but, you know, Tom Brady has the ball down a handful of points. He's he's within one score at the end of the game. And so you can say, oh, well, it's Tom Brady. But, yeah, it's the Chiefs. Like maybe they should have put away Tampa Bay. And I think it's just a lot harder to put away a team than it sounds. And, you know, one of the things that Paul took directly out of my brain was the, how the Chargers had played uh, throughout the year. You know, they they it was all one score losses. This was this is the first time all year that they've been beaten by more than um, a score. You know, ten points a double digit score is 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 novel uh, for the, the 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 Chargers. And it you know they don't they've given up sixteen. Sorry, they had scored 16 points twice, and then 17 would be their third lowest total of the year. And, you know, that's that's since week three was the last time they scored 16 points. So I, I think that, you know, a, the defense did a really nice job overall on the Chargers. A lot of garbage, 
yards for Herbert at the end of the game. Um, And, uh, you know, the same with the running back who like Austin Eckler, who certainly seemed to find lots of yards, but not a lot of points. And so I think that there's a lot of really good things that came out of this, this game. It wasn't a put away game the way that you want it to be, but I don't, I don't know that there are a lot of put away games in the NFL. I think that especially this year with the way offenses are playing and are being allowed to play, I think that teams are always in it. And so I don't know. I would I would look at this game as a good example of a team that um, can score and win and not have to play a perfect game and not even have to play necessarily a great game to beat teams. The three losses they have, the other one is literally a miracle throw. Now, maybe as we talk about the Hail Mary pass, we should discuss whether – Buffalo is right with God because it seems like a lot of these Hail Marys are being answered, but <laughs> it does take a Hail Mary for them to go from eight, you know, nine and two to eight and three. And that just normally it was said today on the radio and I thought it was perfectly well put or maybe it was yesterday. It was like, you know, if the bills, if you w- would you sign up today for the last five games of the season to come down to a Hail Mary pass at the end of the game, you know, Buffalo defending a Hail Mary pass. And I think the answer has to be Yes. I think that everybody would sign up for that because it's just statistically not supposed to happen. And you would win the couple of games you needed to win if you were in that position, everything. And I think the same thing goes for the third quarter. They play these third quarter games. Sorry. The other two losses are, you know, they're close to the Chiefs, right? They're one score at the end of the game with the Chiefs, the best, maybe the best team in the league, if not Pittsburgh. And the other one is, I don't know, more and more. I look at that Tennessee game and I go. I don't know. I think Tennessee's a good team, but I don't think they're they're 30 points better than Buffalo. Um, anyway, the other thing that we talk about a lot is the third quarter lull. I think an important part of the third quarter lull is to point out that they're getting up at the half. Like they're constantly up after the first half. And one of the things about the third quarter lull is they're not they're not in a spot of urgency. They're always ahead. Somebody else is always having to make the play to catch up to Buffalo in the third quarter. So whether you're having your lull in the first quarter or the third quarter or whatever quarter, I don't know. I don't know that we should necessarily be marking down this team because they don't have a, you know, great second half. You know, they have a good fourth quarter. And more importantly, they have more points at the end of four quarters in eight out of the 11 contests they played. So maybe we're overblowing some of the third quarter woes. It's preventing them from from, you know, you know, throttling teams. But maybe at this point we should accept who Buffalo is. Buffalo is a team that wins by one or two scores, but they win. And that's a pretty good place to be. So I don't know. I, I, I suppose I'm reacting a lot more to. Bill's Twitter and, and Bill's radio caller than I am you guys. But to me, I'm I'm fighting against the notion that like this was some sort of letdown game. They won their eighth game of the year. They're one win away from their third winning season in four years. You know, they are. And as we are get to after three stars, you know, basically they're two wins away from locking up a playoff spot, if not the division, really. If you look at kind of how the the playoff odd machines are, but we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, let's take one more pass on the on the on the game, um, and then go to three. You know what? No, if you don't mind, Paul. If you I don't have, have much for Frank, I yeah, have please. Question for Frank. Let's do this. Frank, then, yes. How worried are you about Josh Allen? 
I'm not. I think I Josh Allen. I, I think Josh Allen is exactly who Josh Allen is. Like, his stupid interception, like, I'm prepared for that stupid interception. The thing is, like, that happened once today, and it didn't happen a lot, right? To me, like, the growth is, the growth is the overall team is better. So he's not forcing things as often. When he forces things, mistakes are going to happen. But also, when he plays a little forced, sometimes he makes things actually happen that are good. This is exactly who Josh Allen is to me, you know? Oh, and that was it. Like, again, no Matt Milano at the last minute, no John Brown now for the next three weeks. Like to me, like it's a different team. He is a guy who needs weapons. And I think going into next year, we're going to talk about get, get him more weapons so that when he's one or two guys down, it doesn't change the complex, the complexion of the offense, but I'm not. I think this is exactly who Josh Allen has been, and today he won with 157 yards passing and a handful more rushing, and next week he could totally, you know, throw for 350 yards if he has to, which they didn't want to do that necessarily this game, this week. Feel free to disagree, please. No, it's uh, just, I, I wanted to, no, I just wanted to hear it from you. It had been a while since we've talked about, about the man himself, and, and yes. this wasn't. This was this was it hadn't been one of his better games, certainly. So absolutely. No, like he 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 didn't have a great game, but like he had a good enough game and like a good enough game would have been a pretty good game for a lot of quarterbacks on this team recently. And, you know, like we would have all been like, I think I think I think the bigger I think I think the I think the one point, I guess, Frank, is I think that you are a bit of. Um, there are two, there are kind of two debates about the team. Yes. One is a current debate about this team and what they're doing this year and how are they, are, are they going to get in the playoffs? Are they going to win? What's their seed? You know, can they beat the Steelers this year? Can they beat yes. the Chiefs? There's that debate. And then there's the bigger debate about the franchise over the next, you know, three to five kind of longer term, five to 10 years. And so then I think it's, it's harder to break down some of these things in that, it, it like like just to pick on one thing like the thing about the weapons like I don't know how much more weapons we're going to be able to get it like yeah like I mean San Diego like they want Melvin Ingram out there you know they want you know their other defensive back player that they wanted out there but you, you don't get that in the NFL no one's going to be 100 percent right. healthy you got to be able to win games when you're not there so it's it's kind of like and and they did and 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 that worked but again how much it like and it's and part of it is like yes if you if you look at the close wins and you're like you know they found a way to win the Chargers game they found a way to win the you know the Seahawks game or whatever and it's like okay but they also found a way to win the Patriots game when all Cam Newton really had to do was not fumble on the five yard line <laughs> and then you know we're looking at overtime or the Patriots have the ball with a minute left on the five yard line so it it works both ways or the Rams game where we don't get a DPI in the end zone. And, you know, the, the things are a little different. And now we're we're six and five and we're looking up at the Dolphins and we're having a different conversation a little bit about how this season looked. So I think that is the one difference. And I'll say those are two separate conversations. So yes. you need everyone needs to be able to. And I think that's the I think those are the I think there's obviously a lot of kind of heartbroken Bills fans from many years past who are conditioned to look on the downside. Um, I think the only thing I'm worried about on the downside in the long term is 
the maturity on, on some level of the team that they all kind of have to get there because there's no guarantee that they will ever stop making a lot of these mistakes right. that are keeping them from turning those games, which could have been easier wins because we were outplaying the Patriots for much of that game. Yeah. We were outplaying the Rams for much of that game and all the other games that we won and won anyway, but maybe we're a little closer than they need to be. Those are the difference between you know, those Chiefs games where they show up and it's done and it's it's in the barn in the third quarter. Those that's the that's the the difference between a good team that we are now and a great team. And I think that I think those are two separate discussions. And I think I think we are in the pod are a little more on the same page. But it yes. is, I, I don't want to diminish those arguments uh, out of hand, I guess. OK, yeah. Paul, do you want to make any comments on this? Yeah, I, I, I'm really in full agreement with with both of you. So I don't really have anything to add i will quickly state when just because scott brought up the about josh's development and asked a question i'm i'm with with both of you i happened to just randomly after scott said that glance at subjectively the greatest quarterbacking season ever tom brady's 07 and in the third last week against the four and 12 new york jets he went 14 of 27 for 140 yards and a pick in the next week against the one in 15 dolphins he went 18 of 33, 54% completion, 215, three TDs, and two picks. And yet, he finished with nearly 5,000 yards and 50 touchdowns and a QB rating of 117.2. So every quarterback's just going to have a down day. So Josh was Josh's day yesterday was a down day, but yeah, no concerns about him in the long run. I, I and I think Scott's exactly right. And then let's put a bow on it, and we'll get the three stars. Um, but just to quickly, not even rebut, but just say like. When I'm talking about more weapons, I, and this is obviously a conversation for the offseason, I mean, I think we just need better backup options or those backup. He needs to get more comfortable with those backup options. I think that like, right, like you have to find a way to like, OK, John Brown's not in. So let's incorporate Cole Beasley. And they do like they have him throw a touchdown. But, you, you know, like I, I think that there's just going to be moments where like when everybody's clicking, he's fine. You know, and even when everybody isn't clicking, he's managed to do some really cool things to help pick up the team. And I think other quarterbacks on this team have had this level of talent offensively. I think you could look at it and I don't think you'd say that, you know, I think you he's better than Ryan Fitzpatrick. Right. Like, I think that he's certainly making a lot out of what is available to him. And I think that that's a, a boon to him. So I, I suppose another thing that could happen, Brian Dable could leave and this whole thing could fall apart for, you know, for all I know. So like, I, you know, I'm not writing off the idea that he can't, you know, fail. I'm just saying like, I'm, I'm comfortable with exactly who he is right now. And I have, I have bought the whole farm mm -hmm. and I know about the leaky faucets. Mm -hmm. So I'm in. Um, and oh. to prep you, Jay Ross on Twitter had the, Jay Ross on Twitter said, I'd like to nominate number 55, Alex Kemp for an honorable mention in three stars. Wasn't there much in the first half, but he really stepped up for the Chargers D in the fourth quarter might be a difference maker. And I feel like at this point you should just yell at Jay because obviously he should never have mentioned anything about who should and shouldn't be in three stars. Uh, <laughs> Jay Ross is I might, I mean, there are many pro, you know, there are few things that I could ever say about someone that I don't think I'd be able to take back. Um, I want you I'm to know, Jay, Jay Ross, at foot knees <laughs> together, 
Army <laughs> nuclear weapons officer, aspiring wonk, retweet is not an endorsement and opinions are my own and barely even that. Go Bills. He has a picture of Elmo watching an explosion uh, as his avatar. Yes. Um, Jay Ross is a traitor. I'm just going (laughs) to go ahead and say that. Just not not necessarily to his country that I can prove Mm. um, or that I suspect at all, but to to the to the organization that really, you know, taught him a lot and really to the person who taught him a lot about you know, how the world works and honestly about, you know, a lot of things about the bills. I don't think he knew much about the bills. So I don't really feel like I am going to need to spend a lot of time uh, replying to him on whether or not um, some random joker on the Chargers gets a star. So I'm just going to leave that there. Or even an honorable mention. I just, I I felt as, I, I felt like if I didn't tell you he said that, Scott, that you would find out and then yell at me. So I feel like I should just throw Jay under the bus. Absolutely. No, I think this is if Jay wants to keep tweeting into the show and have me keep slamming him, feel free. This is a one way communication channel. (laughs) So I have the mic. There is no rebuttal. Uh, I don't feel like I have to justify any of my answers. So I'm going to continue to do that. And this Um, clarification, Alex Kemp is actually the the official, the lead official. Oh, I see. I see. Okay, I see what he did there. No, I don't Um, care. Very (laughs) cool. Uh, it's regardless. I don't. It, none of that it shows you how much I was paying attention to the game. All right, on to the actual, um, the actual reporting here. Um, so, honorable mentions. Couple from the Bills, uh, mostly on the offense. Um, you know, Devin had a nice game, but obviously had the had you know got over a hundred yards with with his total yards, but did not get uh, did have the crucial fumble, um, which really again when the Bills were trying to put put a team away it's not going to help uh zach moss um uh, less with the yards more with the the big gainer for one um but also not fumbling so that's helpful um let's see other guys gabe davis with a nice uh afternoon with i uh, i've seen different numbers actually of catches i've seen three and four um but 79 yards including one beautiful uh beautiful catch um that really could not have been any better um, on the on the sideline on a nice long 44 yarder from from Allen, um, as well as the touchdown from uh, from Cole Beasley. So that's good for for Gabe stepping up in John John Brown's absence. Um, and then uh, yeah, I will uh, I will also say so. Then uh, I'll also give an honorable mention to Austin Eckler with those uh, 25 touches, 129 total yards. It looks like um, so having a having a nice afternoon back from the injury. Um, was a tough matchup uh, for the Bills. Uh, but I will go ahead and start the actual three stars with, and and it does does get me, but I don't think you can keep him out of here, A.J. Klein, um, not a perfect day at the office, as I mentioned. Certainly, you know, missed, missed, a, missed a tackle here. Um, you know, didn't, didn't, didn't get a perfect read on, a, on an Eckler kind of swing pass in the first quarter, but um, a lot of a lot of he made a lot of big plays. He 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 had a, a sack and a half. He had 14 total tackles. Led them in, in tackles and sacks with that. Um, had uh, three and a half tackles for loss. He had especially one big one where it was an option, um, I believe, with Herbert and Eckler. I'm thinking, or maybe it was another guy. Might but, have been Joshua Kelly. Maybe it was Eckler. I'm thinking Joshua. Is that Kelly the one that Eckler. Ed Oliver? blew up completely and then Klein got in and made the tackle 
I know Ed no, Oliver was okay. Well, this so was Ed, like a third and inches game. option that he forced a a bunch of right. yards to be lost. I remember. Yeah, that that was it was an option. It was a, it was a straight option, and the and but uh, Klein was I don't know if he was the he was the linebacker on the edge. I don't know if he was strong or weak, but it would have been very easy for Klein to crash down when he saw the quarterback running at him, even though that wasn't his assignment. Um, he didn't do that. He let the Mike take care of Herbert on the keeper, Herbert, whatever. And then he stayed with the running back, which was the, which was his assignment. And he athletically made the play to not just stay with him, but actually go ahead and make the tackle, force him out of bounds when they only needed like two yards, I think. Um, and it was a loss of one or two or whatever it was. So that was, and that was at a critical point when we did need a stop in the, in the fourth quarter. Um, and, and again, he had, a number of good plays really again the whole defense and i don't think we probably spent enough time on this but they really did pick it up frank pointed it out um you know maybe they're one of their better games of the season from the defense so far i think you'd have i don't know if i could think of a better game against a, a talented kind of team where they really showed up uh and that reflects in in the three stars um second star however goes to another defender on the other team um and i i take no pleasure is it, is it bowie josa no probably not yeah, bowie. bowie josa famous famous uh defensive end from the state of ohio university uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. but uh eight tackles um you know three sacks another three tackles were lost just like a ridiculous afternoon um you know you could talk about if the bills made a couple more plays you know, they could have put this game away in the third quarter if Joey Bosa didn't make the bus today or to that game. Um, you know, it wouldn't have even been that close. Like it would have been. Yeah, I'm not sure there would have been much to slow the bill down because he was borderline unblockable at various points. Um, also, some just terrible um, play designs or failure to understand the challenge that he posed by by Allen in the in the when he was audibling or not seeing him. But there were times when we weren't blocking him for some reason, which were just nonsensical or we'd put a, a tight end or a, or a, try and chip him with a wide receiver or something. And he was just, you know, just comical attempts at blocking. So, um, but he was, I, I, I call this the, uh, the goalie on the opposing team who, you know, let in three goals, but stopped 55 shots. Um, <laughs> like you kind of got to give him credit for, for continuing to hang in there, even though he didn't actually win the game um, to go back to the three stars uh, hockey roots. Um, and then, uh, your first star goes to a, uh, a young man who I believe has been on the stars before. I don't know if he's made first star this year. Maybe he mm. did, but, uh, Tredavious White, the, yeah, uh, right. the, uh, the man who, who sealed the game and in, in some respects with a, with a big, big pick of Herbert in the third, um, as they, they talked about in the post-game coverage, that was a key that they had kind of come on in the middle of the game that they had been running some kind of similar, um, route kind of combinations um, towards that side of the field. And they had kind of picked up on that trend and white uh, and, and Poyer was saying that white had recognized that and he made a great jump on it. Um, and obviously, you know, Herbert never saw it coming and uh, white white was able to make the play, not just break it up, but actually get the full turnover, uh, run it back. Obviously um, in addition to that, he had uh, eight tackles and uh, really did a pretty Pretty solid job on Keenan Allen. Allen uh, ended up with four catches for 40 yards and one touchdown. The touchdown was really on Tremaine Edmonds. Um, not much that Edmonds could really do on it. It was really perfectly placed, and Allen made a great play on it. And, you know, you just got to kind of tip your hat sometimes. But in general, Allen did not have a dominant afternoon. 
um, and nor did the rest of the kind of fairly dangerous still Los Angeles Chargers receiving core. Um, so I think that that is credit uh, again to Trey and really to the rest of the defense. Again, one of the, the if not the best, probably the one of the better efforts that we've seen this year uh, from from the Chargers uh, or from the Bills. Excuse me. Go ahead. And probably from the chart. It's certainly the best effort. I haven't watched Chargers game, so it's certainly the best effort from them that I've seen. Yeah. Absolutely. Those <laughs> are um, uh, Scott's comment on the uh, allowing three goals, but still a great game. March yeah. will be the third year anniversary, gentlemen, of Quebec Nordique in a 3-3 tie, uh, making 70 saves in one regular <laughs> season game, a record that will never be broken. And that never. game was in Boston Garden, uh, kind of partisan fans in Boston. I don't know if you've heard that. And Maybe. when overtime ended, they gave Ron Tugnut a standing ovation because that was just <laughs> off the the hook. Uh, Trey White and his goalie. He obviously went to Trey White's goalie academy, Ron Tugnut. Must have. Must have. I, uh, Scott, thank you once again for yes. three stars. And thank you to Anthony Lynn, who also helped with the Bills win <laughs> this week. Um, gosh. I, I want that was to spend time. terrible. I said to you guys, I think I texted you guys during the game. Like I am glad just based on his game day decisions alone that we did not end up moving forward with him. Yeah. For and, and like in real time, it's hard sometimes for me to keep track of like bad coaching decisions. And like, he just really made it easy. And I would love to spend time talking about it, but we should really move on because we have bills, things to talk about. I am going to up you date. Uh, so one of the nice things about the game no, no injuries, no big injuries. Uh, Allen twisted his ankle, but he's okay. Uh, he literally got back in there one play later. Um, Matt Milano is now eligible to return from the mm-hmm. IR. I don't know that they've made a decision whether he will or not. Yep. But Sean McDermott he... had his presser one hour ago just to jump in on that and said oh, they're he's... still making that determination. On okay. Very nice. That might just mean that there is some... Uh, you know, uh, roster juggling they need to do. They might need what that might mean is they just haven't decided who they're that they're going to cut anybody. Um, John Brown moved to the IR um, right basically before the game. I think it was like mm-hmm. Thursday or Friday last week. So he is ineligible, obviously, for this game, uh, next week's game against San Francisco, and the following game against the Steelers. So that really does impact the Steelers game. But then he he does. Um, get to come back for the end of the year. And instead of opening up and asking you guys thoughts about that, I am going to do some heresy because what I'm going to do is this. I'm going to tell you right now that the Buffalo Bills have a 92% chance to make the playoffs. And if they win two games of their next five, that goes to the greater than 99% chance. Um, And that includes if you pick the Niners, which would be the least helpful of the remaining games because it's the non-conference game um and they you know and then any other game you pick it Steelers Broncos Patriots or Dolphins uh when you do that the overwhelming likelihood is that they will host a wild card game meaning that they are an AFC East team um winning division team uh so right now the 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 odds are not in the favor of predicting the Dolphins as catching the bills um and even if they did it's still overwhelmingly likely that buffalo will be in the playoffs i think the other thing of wit that i want to note on this is that the other statistical unlikelihood is that they move up to the first or second seed really what buffalo is playing for is the third and the fourth seed um which and even the second seed this year kind of indistinguishable from each other because only the first seed will be getting the week off that is essentially 
foreclosed that, you know, the Steelers would absolutely have to bomb out. The Chiefs would have to also have a lot of issues. Buffalo would need to make up all that ground and hope that nobody else makes up the same ground that they do. So really, that's a foreclosed um, possibility. So what I had done, so what I'm saying is the Bills are going to make the playoffs. And I'm not going wood as I say that, but like, let's be honest, they're going to make the playoffs and they're probably going to win the AFC East. I'm no longer really thinking about it, even if they didn't, by the way. It's the one year where you probably don't mind as much being the road team because there's just very few to no fans everywhere. So it really is about getting into the dance. What I had texted you guys last night or messaged you was, here are the teams, Miami. So forget about the rest of the schedule for a second. You've got Miami, Las Vegas, Cleveland, Baltimore, Indiana, and Tennessee. Those are the six teams that Buffalo are is most likely to play right now they'd play cleveland um and tennessee would play miami with indiana uh baltimore and uh on the outside looking in um so but you would have bills browns in buffalo um and then with a little rejiggering you could maybe have bills miami in buffalo um and i don't know that i have a strong preference as to either of those two games, but those teams that I read off, guys, let's start with Paul, Miami, Las Vegas, Cleveland, Baltimore, Indiana, and Tennessee. Who do you want to see Buffalo play first? Because I think that's all that matters. And it might not even matter where they play them. It's just yeah. a matter of who, which of those six teams are the ones you want to play. Because I think that's where we are now. Yeah, I, th- I think so too. Uh, again, with the cat, I, th- I think they're going to bubble for the playoffs. So I don't okay. think the, that's just my guess. Uh, and as we're podcasting now, there's some a lot of news on the Pittsburgh Baltimore game, which has now been moved to Wednesday, and allegedly Baltimore is oh, threatening to strike, show. and all sorts of shits going on. So, Lord knows what's going to happen the rest of the year. Knock on wood, if everything goes well, I think it's going to play out exactly as Frank said. When I initially looked at his list, I thought, oh, well, he should add New England too because they're in contention. But if New England makes it, they'll be a seven or maybe at best a six playing a one or a two seed. And Buffalo, as Frank established, is just unlikely to get to one or two. Just just briefly, so you know, um, what I did when I looked at the playoff predictor, everybody that I didn't list is literally 5% or less to make the playoffs. Yeah. And I was just like, it's, yeah. Anyway, continue. Yeah, now you, you researched it well. So on the question of, you know, who would we most like them to play? This is not an easy choice for me, but I am going to go with Miami. Uh, in, in a way, I think that's the riskiest pick because when, as you see with divisional games, familiarity can breed, uh, just, it breeds close games that, that should never be close between opponents that, you know, one may be clearly better than the other. We, I just mentioned earlier on, we have the injury ridden San Francisco 49ers and, and COVID ridden team with 13 players on IR going to Los Angeles and beat the Rams. That's the kind of, and I, I mentioned Tom Brady's games in 2008. Those were close wins over two terrible teams by a Patriots team that went 16-0 that season. So divisional games can be an equalizer because of all that familiarity. At the same time, look at who Josh Allen has consistently played his best games against, and it's the Dolphins. I think he has played them four times, and he has been named AFC Offensive Player of the Week in three of those games. I think offensively, Miami doesn't pose a ton of challenges, especially not if Tua is back in the lineup by that point in time. And I think just talent-wise, there's a decent edge that Buffalo has over 
Miami. So, you know, the other options I'll go through in less than 15 seconds total. Vegas proved they can pass on the Bills. That's scary. Cleveland, uh, you know, they, they put it together this year. I'd be okay facing them, but it wouldn't be great. Baltimore, their defense is just still scares me a bit. Tennessee ran all over the Bills this year. And Indy just raked the Bills uh, over the coals in 2018. And that still, you know, is in my head. So I'm going to go with Miami. <clears throat> so <clears throat> I also was going to go with Miami. Okay. Uh, I think... Uh, as Paul pointed out, I'm, I'm, I am a little concerned about the familiarity piece. Um, I hope that they've got it locked up and they can go pretty vanilla in that week 17 game um, so that there's no kind of pollution. But even then, that's still kind of risky on some level that they're just going to, you know, it's, it's hard to, to literally put your entire second team in there um, and not run any plays that you actually run without actually doing more damage to your own kind of routine and preparation than anything that you're going to throw them off in terms of tendencies or scouting or anything else. Um, so that's, that's tough, but I, I don't, I, I think, so for the sake of argument, if, if it wasn't between Miami, I think the Colts one would be the one that I'd have to think about um, as a team that, you know, certainly is not, again, they've had a, a decent season um, so far, uh, you know, they've, they've done, they've done some things, you know, they beat the Titans as, as Paul pointed out, in that one game, they obviously lost to them just the, just just yesterday. Um, they beat the Packers at home, which is uh, kind of a nice win. The Packers obviously a fairly good team this year. Other than that, you, you start looking at some of the wins you don't see. You know, Lions, Bengals, Bears, Jets, and Vikings. Um, I don't think any of those teams are 500, so maybe a little of this is a soft schedule. Um, Philip Rivers, obviously a, a a perfectly good quarterback, but one that you don't have to worry about being a runner. So that should allow our kind of defensive line to kind of hone in on him and get to that kind of spot three or five the line and 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 go find him. Um, they are they are more of a running team, but they have been dinged up in the run game with Marlon Mack on IR. Jonathan Taylor's been out, um, so they are less of a threat on the ground um, than maybe they would have been earlier in the season. Um, you know, their offensive line also kind of been dinged up a little here and there. So I think I think there's some good matchups. I think their defense is, is a bit more improved. Um, but also, um, I'm not seeing a lot of house and old names on here. Maybe I'm just not paying enough attention to the AFC South, I guess. But mm-hmm. um, you can never not... pay too little attention to the AFC South. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, and that's part of it, too, of. of, of you know, that division, you know, the Titans obviously are, are I think we could have established as at least a good team, you know, maybe not a great 15 and one team, but certainly a good team. Uh, but beyond that, obviously, the Jaguars are a bit of a trash fire. Um, the Texans have Deshaun Watson and 52 other guys. And, um, you know, the Colts may be kind of uh, taking some advantage of that, um, though. I think they actually did. Have they even played the Texans? <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, they have not actually played the Texans yet, so. We'll see. That'll be an interesting couple of matchups in the next couple of weeks here. But anyway, so that's that's who I would say. If not the Dolphins, you can make a strong case for the Colts as well, I think. I think those are two good choices. I think one of the things, and I don't think you said this, Paul, one of the problems with the 
Dolphins, of course, is you would have just played them the week before. Mm-hmm. Um, and it would be the third time that you played them. And so there is I think there's probably something to the idea that like Miami is a good enough team that it would be tough to beat them three times. And yeah, the, the same. Remember when the, the Jets upset the Patriots in the playoffs a few years ago? Yeah. The Patriots beat them twice that year. It's beating the team three. T- I can remember one time. I'm sure it's happened to others. And that was Tennessee over Jacksonville the year. Tennessee had the Music City Miracle and went to the mm-hmm. Super Bowl. There is, of course, no guarantee we'd beat them in Week 17. Right. Let's hope we'd lose to them, but still win the division. Or right. who cares, really, as Frank said. I who really cares? think that, like, I mean, I, and I'm, I'm really trying not to jinx it here, but between the games that are left on the schedule, I'm really hopeful that it won't come down to Week 17. Because it's not just that. It's like, the you know, the Dolphins have to make up a game first. And then, well, they don't actually have to, right? Because if they get there a game behind, then there's some scenario where they could tie and then still win. But that's like tiebreaker crazy land. And I don't know that, I think all the reasons Paul wants to pick them to to be the game uh, for the playoffs is the reason why they won't be able to do that. I think that that's hard for them. So I'm not going there. You know, I don't have a better answer for you guys. I like those two games. Um... I wouldn't be afraid of the Titans, honestly. I feel like that might even be a good game to get everybody focused. Like, here's the team that embarrassed you this year. Why don't you go ahead and show everybody, like, what it's like when you get a week to prepare for them and not a bunch of COVID-related delays? Um, And I think Buffalo could do that. I I think that Buffalo in that game absolutely shot themselves in the foot. And uh, so, you know, I guess that's that. The Browns... The Browns scare me because I don't know enough about them other than their hashtag point differential is really bad for eight and three. So maybe they're one of these teams that you you should be able to pick on. I don't know. Um, I think the thing that scares me about the Dolphins is uh, the thing I want to steer clear of them with is that they they sort of um, they do have a really nice defense. And I and I would be worried that they could they could frustrate Buffalo that way. But I mean, if everybody's back and healthy, that's actually why I waited till. I read the injury report first is I'm hoping that all things are equal, that Buffalo is healthy and ready to go. Um, And if they are, Buffalo beats all of those teams. I think Buffalo beats all of those teams and I'm not too worried about it. I think that, you know, as we've said many a time, Buffalo puts it all together. They're a very good football team. And so, you know, the goal now is very, very happy that the goal now is to get out of the first round of the playoffs for so many years, it was a winning record and, making the playoffs and now you know they're on the precipice of the 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 division and let's let's win a playoff game and see what happens so i'm excited that we can talk like that and we don't have to wait till week 19 to do that i am trying to also get a read as i was listening to you guys about what the hell is happening with the steelers ravens game um but they were talking about like the wednesday night pushback and then they're supposed to play sunday um, which could probably get pushed back for the season. Thursday. Yeah. It just says so, now Steelers Ravens moves to Wednesday. Also Steelers Washington game being moved to Monday per sources, which sucks because now Washington will be the freaking local game on Monday night, which I don't know if it's going to conflict with the Bills 49ers game on local TV or not, which would. Well, I, I would hope that they would do like an earlier game that yes. they wouldn't have like two West Coast time. Yeah. The, Bill's game goes to 10, 15 East. I think that's because didn't we play on a Monday afternoon against the Chiefs? 
or it was a yeah, it was Monday at like five fifteen p.m. Right, and then and then it was Monday night, and then the the Titans game was a Tuesday game. But you know, for the Steelers who are crying about it already, uh, and sure they're allowed to cry out about it. Um, you know, they're they're that shortens their preparation for the Bills by a day. It doesn't like really disadvantage them in that like it's some unusual week, but you know, it it starts to add up for them. Um, and that is unfortunate, but also. Part of me's like, well, if we had to basically wait a week and a half to play the Titans, then suck it up and wait to play the the the, the Ravens. Um, the other thing I noticed quickly is that Kenny Stills uh, has cleared waivers, which means that you would not <clears throat> have to pay his two point one million, but you could sign him for as little as three hundred and fifty thousand dollars, the prorated veteran minimum. And when I talk about adding weapons, I'm talking about a guy like Kenny Stills who knows what he's doing and could potentially help put the bills over the edge, especially if you've got a guy like John Brown, who's struggling to stay healthy. Um, let us move to listener questions. Um, we got, a, we got a bunch today. We do. Uh, David Furster wants to know, I've seen a lot of people on Twitter praising AJ Klein, but it looks to me like his good plays are the product of defensive scheme, not individual talent. What do you guys think of his game in the last few weeks? I think what I will say is that almost everything on defense is other than jo like a guy like Joey Bosa is the product of defensive scheme. Um, but I think it's fair to be a little questionable about him because I remember at the beginning of yesterday's game, he had an absolute gaffe on, on a, a game that like he looked terrible on those initial screens um he pulled it together uh but he certainly still has holes in his game i'm just happy that he um is playing in that scheme well enough as things go along uh but feel free to disagree with me gentlemen uh i think as i mentioned in stars i think he i think i think he is getting better i think he is still i mean that's the thing he approved he's improved from a uh, replacement level linebacker where you could go out and find any guy who is on waiver wire right now and put him in there and he'd be as good as AJ Klein to a guy who is an average to, I, I'd say maybe to slightly above average NFL linebacker to where, you know, is he perfect? No. Is he going to make, I mean, there are some guys who are just solid and don't make anything too spectacular and, uh, but also don't let you down in terms of assignments and, and, you know, missing, you know, easy tackles and things like that. And then there's kind of where Klein is right now, where he's going to miss some assignments and he's going to blow some things because he's maybe not athletic or doesn't know the scheme well enough um, or he's whatever, just he's not good enough. Um, but then they've figured out a way to use him in some blitz packages and other things to where he's not um, he's not lost out there and can actually contribute to the defense. So I think some of it is the scheme, certainly, but I think it also is him figuring out better what they need him to do and him doing it. So I, I would, but let's not, let's not overstate it either in terms of his, his, his improvements. Yep. I'm with uh, Scott. I'm going to bring up because no one else has brought this up that I've seen the case of Lorenzo Alexander, who for the first 12 games of the McDermott year in 2017 did not look like nearly the player that he was under Rex Ryan. And then they suddenly decided they figured out how to scheme him properly and he ended up being a major contributor. I do not think Klein will be as good as Lorenzo Alexander was for the Bills his last two seasons uh, of his career. Um, but I'm hopeful the Bills will figure out how to use him and we'll see positive trends. George 
uh, the, the the proper Welshman George. He um, he has he has a thought. Have T Bass and Klein turned a corner for us? Uh, and on Klein, does Milano come straight back in as a starter when he returns? And did this game feel much uh, much something than other W's, even though this was a double digit? Leads. I'm assuming much closer or much harder. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that you're not alone in thinking that it was a closer game, as we talked about sort of like the, the you know, my feelings about the panic with the team. Um, I think Tyler Bass has turned a corner. I think that he's, Paul said it earlier, he absolutely looks like a better kicker. The ball is going straight. And he's crushing the middle of the uprights. I don't know what they've done, but he looks a lot more comfortable in his kicks. And we just had a big conversation about Klein. So I'm going to, I'm going to skip that. I guess Milano, if Milano's healthy, like Milano's fully healthy, I would expect him to come back and be the starter and then Klein to be in these spots where they've schemed him well. But um, I, I'm open to disagreement on this as well, gentlemen. I'm I'm in full agreement with you. Uh, Bass, great. We've we've talked about that. And then with Milano coming back, Milano's a game breaker type of guy. Let's not forget, just he's been out of the line for a while. So he's definitely the starter. But the Bills have been playing a lot of four down linemen, two linebacker, five defensive back. Uh, situations in in games, I would not be surprised if they go to more of a 4-3 during the course of the games to get Klein on the field in in more situations and utilize three linebackers. But Milano's the man. I I agree with all those things. I think the only thing I'll point out on Bass is that I think he has turned the corner as far as kicking in the regular season under Mm -hmm. good conditions. I think it is obviously going to be completely different when we start. It it may be completely different when we put him in in the playoffs uh, or in games, you know, where where things are really at stake and it's kind of winner go home time. That is not an easy transition for anyone. So I don't think we should assume that that's going to go well. Um, But just because he's playing well now, it certainly could. But I don't want to like, let's not. uh, He's not an all pro yet. He's not Morton Anderson yet. Gotcha. Right. Um, David Furster, I've seen a bunch of people. Oh, we did, I did that one. Where's the other one he had? Oh, he wants to know uh, what's wrong with him. And I said that he, I am more just, dis- this was it. I am more dissatisfied after today's 10 point win than I was after they lost to Arizona. What is wrong with me? I said he had too much turkey. What do you think's wrong with him, Scott? Um, a corruption of his vital fluids. Mm-hmm. Paul? I'm going to say it's a a more deeply seated mental issue. Open, you know, when you talk to your psychiatrist, open up with that. That's what you got to lead with. I think so. And he's a neighbor, so I'll check in on him to make sure he's doing well. Um, George, uh, Jasmine, the impact of injury so far this season. I know we can't say that a fully fit or even present Milano, Brown, Hyde, et cetera, definitively would have made a difference in levels of performance slash more wins. But when they're back, how much better will they be? quantitatively well they'll be seven better jasmine that's what if you want a quantitative number i'll say they'll be seven better um no i i think they're going to be better right like they they should be talent should lead to it uh and i think if it if it's not going to lead to it if for some reason they're not prepared uh they won't be be playing but you know obviously you want to give yourself as much talent as possible to work with um scott any disagreement there have i so, no, I mean, I, yeah, it's no, I, mean, I think I think the biggest impact that I've seen, I think, is as much as the as much as the, the individual players out there has been an impact, I think, in continuity mm-hmm. and guys coming in and out and, and guys trying to cover and fill new spots. And I think that has impacted not just the lack of players, the the talent on the field being there and reading replacement backups, but also the 
the communication and some of the mistakes that the defense was making for several of those weeks. And now it seems like between the guys coming back and the guys who are in there, like Klein, knowing where they're supposed to be and do their jobs better and the defense figuring out how to use them effectively, those problems are slowly kind of diminishing over time. Yep. Agreed. Nothing to add on that. Mark says at this point in the season, do you feel comfortable with the bills making it past the first round in the playoffs? What do you have to see from them in the final games to believe they're a contender if you don't already? I sort of answered this question already, and I think you guys touched on it too. We were talking about the playoff teams. I mean, I'm comfortable that they can. Um, I'm comfortable that they should. I mean, a question of will is a question of what actually happens on game day. But to me, they just need to play their game, and they need to kind of you know, play the type of game that they, you know, eight of the 11 games have, really nine of the 11 games. I mean, I think that if they get down to a Hail Mary again, I hate to keep bringing it up, but like, you know, to me, like if they play that game against a lot of teams, they're mostly going to win too. So I don't think I need to see anything else from them to know that they can get out of the first round. I think this is a team that the questions start when you're saying, hey, can they get into an AFC championship game or a Super Bowl? And I don't think, to my mind, the answer is definitely no. I think that they're in they're in good shape. Uh, am I out of bounds? I um, let's put it this way. I they certainly can make it out of the first round. Do I feel comfortable? I don't know if I'd say I'd feel comfortable yet, just because the Texans game from last year still still irks me and all the issues with putting teams away uh, when they have the chance to worries me in a playoff scenario. So what I'd have to see in the final games, I would like to see, you know a big win and define that how you want. But to me, the two that jump out are beating a team like the Steelers, where unless there's a bunch of injured or COVIDic players, there's no circumstance whereby that's not impressive to win. And also, you know, a win at Foxborough would mean something to me just because no one has swept the Patriots in 20 seasons, literally 20 seasons. The Bills are the only team that has a chance to do that this year. And I'd love to see them put the nail in that coffin. So those would help me. Do you think if they did those things, though, the specter of the Texans game would go away? Or do you just think you need to see them get out of the first round? I, I definitely I think both would. But I, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think the specter of the game would vanish if if they could beat a, a Steelers team that may be undefeated at that point. They could be up, you know, 12 and 0 for all, all we know at that point. And that'll eliminate the Texans game from my memory. But yeah, I will need to see the first one of our This Day Bills headlines questions that has to do with the Bills' last payoff, playoff win a quarter century ago. Like, that's got to happen again. We can't. Making it the two of the last three years has been a great turnaround from the 17 years of mediocrity, but it's time to take that next step, and that's got to happen. Um, I will say I think the Bills will be favored in whatever game that they end up playing. Uh, I think we can, again, kind of assuming the season plays out as we expect and they're, they're favored at home. They're playing at home as a division winner against a wildcard team. I think the things that would make me feel more confident are getting back to what I started the, the pod with is the miscues. If they played um, close to turnover-free football for four or five weeks, um if they had a significant improvement in like their penalties and, you know, pre-snap penalties and things like that. Um, if, if they put some teams away in the third and fourth quarters, rather than kind of letting teams hang around um, and they were, com- that's the thing. If they played a, a clean, solid game for five weeks in a row, even if they lost a game to a team like the Steelers, um, I'm not going to, I'd still be more comfortable arguably going into the playoffs than I would, with this team that 
you know, yeah, they could go out and beat the Steelers in, in three weeks. But, you know, if they lose next week to the Niners because, you know, Zach Moss fumbles on the two yard line and they run it back 98 yards in the fourth corner, fourth quarter, then, you know, like that that's that that hurts, too. You know, that 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 makes me a little less confident that they're going to be able to mind their P's and Q's when it gets into that first game against a team that by all rights should be weaker Um kind of capability wise. I, I'm freaked out that you said that because if I remember right, it was a Sunday or Monday night game against the 49ers where a Bills running back fumbled the ball on the on the one yard line and it was run back for a touchdown. Yep. Derek Holmes, Sunday Thank night. You. Bills Thank were you. I knew Paul would have it. I knew Paul yep. would have it. Uh, a quick note on Monday night, by the way. <laughs> Bills Niners on Monday night, of course. Uh, and now, of course, it sounds like the Steelers game will be on Monday night. Also scheduled for Monday night already, Cowboys Ravens. <laughs> Oh, that's right. Yeah. So there's going to be a triple header gang oh, yeah. on, Monday, on Monday night football uh, next week. I have no fucking clue how that's going to work, but right, currently not my problem. So as long as I, have, I, I can I can watch the game, I'll be good. Let's finish up with Brian on Facebook and then we got to get to the this day in Bill's headlines. Will the year is oh, sorry. Uh, will the years it takes off my life watching this team year in and out be the thing that kills me just before they finally win a Super Bowl? Brian, no. Yeah. Um, also, is there a team in the league right now that has a worse performance in the last few minutes of a game than the Chargers? It seems like every game the past two years they lose by a score by manufacturing different ways to fuck it up. I didn't mention this yesterday as I didn't want to jinx things. Brian, I don't agree or disagree with you because this is a Bills podcast. Um you may answer Atlanta. Brian, or you may go to this day in Bill's headlines. Atlanta. Atlanta. Yes. Atlanta's a good nominee. Yeah. Atlanta, definitely. Uh, Detroit. You know, there, there's a few other teams. Don't worry. Bill's in. Yeah. Detroit is Detroit. As I said on Thanksgiving, I, I believe the league has Detroit play on Thanksgiving to remind us all to be thankful that we are not Detroit Lions fans. <laughs> All right. Well, shall we roll into this day in Bill's yeah, headlines? Yeah, no, we, we really do need to. All yes. right. I have no water left, so if my throat gives out, I'll take a break in the middle and you guys can vamp. vamp. All right. 2018. <laughs> Bill's blank has message for Dolphins ahead of his return to Miami. Oh, thank you. My wife has overheard me and has grabbed my water to refill it. Uh, it was a burden that I didn't have to worry about anymore. I feel like most people, when they leave Miami, that's when their career gets started. I'm thankful to be here. Things have definitely turned around since I've been here. Fans love me. My teammates love me. I'm happy to be here. Charles Clay? No, good guess. Former former Dolphin played with the Bills. Thank you. 2018. Um, Jordan Phillips. Jordan Phillips. Scott, hey. on the game. <clears throat> All right. 2017. Struggling Bills wide receiver blank has been a disappointment with it. With that hint, that's, you could name like seven guys. Um, most, yes. most of the people. Yes. <laughs> when he, when he came to Buffalo in the trade that sent cornerback Ronald Darby to Philadelphia during training camp, blank was looked upon as a player. Jordan who Matthews. Helped Jordan Matthews. All go. right. 2016. What to know about new Buffalo bills, tight end blank. Blank has been asked about switching positions all the way back to high school. Despite playing QB in high school, Blank was considered the number one tight end recruit in the 2009 class. He was recruited to Virginia Tech to be a tight end, but ended up switching to quarterback. Logan six, Thomas? Logan Thomas. Wow. This yes. Is, this that was a college-heavy clue. So that yeah. right up Scott's alley. Awesome. All right. Here we go. 2014. 
Browns coach blank faces the beast he created in Bill's defense. This is an Mike Patton. Mike Patton. Oh my God. I'm not even stopping. We're just going to keep going. 2012 Buffalo Bills blank frustrated being on the sidelines. It's frustrating, but I understand the league. I understand how coaches are said blank. Whose frustration is no doubt quelled a bit by the fact he's earning $3 million to stand around. Frank said something. What'd you say, Frank? Frank, we can't hear you. Stevie Johnson. No, I heard Johnson, and there's no Johnson here. All right. Uh, $3 million to stand around and watch. It's a cutthroat league, and there really isn't any loyalty, so it wasn't like it was a big shock or anything like that. Um, this is a quarterback. He went 10-10 uh, and 10 in 20 starts for with Minnesota from 2006 to 2010, which does not include coming off the bench when Brett Favre was knocked out by Arthur Motes in 2010 to just beat the Bills. Uh, then he started 14 games for Seattle in 2011 before he spent all of 2012. What? Nope, nope. Um, it's all right. Spent all of 2012 on the sidelines for the Bills. Didn't take a single snap. Uh, he did spend his final three seasons of his career as a backup to Russell Wilson in Seattle. He was an Alabama State second-round pick by Minnesota in 2006. Tragically, he died in a car accident about six months ago in uh, in April 2020. Jeez, I feel really bad. I can't think of this. All right. Frank is still 50,000 miles from his mic, it sounds, right now. But that's okay. Can you hear um, me? Yeah, this one I feel like the streak's over. I don't, I don't, I don't got it. Yeah, this was this was a tough one. Uh, the answer: Tavares Jackson. Tavares Jackson. Yeah, yeah, right. And I do remember that. That's too bad. All right. 2009. Miami Dolphins blank says officials gave Terrell Owens a break. This is a Palm Beach Post article. Says Buffalo Bills wide receiver Trell Owens broke open Sunday's game when he caught a 51-yard TD pass late in the 31-14 win over the Dolphins. The reception with 2:23 left gave Buffalo a 24-14 lead and victimized Dolphins rookie cornerback Blank. Blank wasn't impressed by Owens' play. In fact, Blank said Owens grabbed him and pushed off and would have been flagged. Officials didn't give Owens special consideration afforded elite receivers. There was nothing else I can do about it. I can do nothing about that. All I can say is, wow. We knew that we were playing against them and the refs. That's tough. You can't make a game that close after that play. I just knew the officials were not going to let us get out of here with that game. This is a Dolphins cornerback. He attended Dunbar High School here in Washington, D.C., exactly 0.5 miles from where I am sitting right now. Round one pick of Miami in 2009 out of Illinois. Vontae Davis? Vontae Davis! Nice. This is just... Scott is cleaning up. All right. Tavares Jackson is the only one standing in our way. All right. We're getting a little tougher here for the final ones. See if we can do it. 2002. Slimmer blank feels blessed in Bill's return. Uh, Cold and artificial turf aside, blank is looking forward to his Buffalo return. I feel I have something to prove. He said, I feel like I'm always under the microscope. Somebody's always watching me. So this was a fourth-round pick uh, of the Bills in 1997 out of Florida A&M. He played 49 games over four seasons, started 22 at right guard, including all 16 in 2000. Didn't play in 01, and at this point during this article, he was in uh, the first of his two seasons with the Dolphins where he started 29 games. After his release, he coached the Miami Fury women's football team, the short-lived indoor arena team, the Miami Marais. Uh 
An interesting side note, in April 2010, he was charged with mortgage fraud after police say he stole the identity of the grandmother of former Bills teammate Daryl Porter. That, that probably didn't go over well. No. I'm sure Daryl wasn't happy. Uh-huh. Yeah. All right, uh, we're going to do the name uh, clues. Uh, <laughs> the first name is the name of Colin Firth's character in Love Actually. Uh, his last name is the name of an early 90s wrestler who briefly feuded with The Undertaker uh, with their stare down making the cover of WWF magazine in January 1993. <clears throat> but interestingly, he was actually released the month before in December 92 after he allegedly attacked Vince McMahon in his office over a financial dispute with Bret Hart recalling that he cornered Vince in his office and screamed at him for 15 minutes. Uh, Hart claims he was just down the hall from the office when he heard a loud crash, which was the wrestler knocking Vince over in his chair and choking him violently. The incident led to a series of lawsuits between the wrestler and the WWF. Uh, oh, I'm not going to get this. I'm, all right, that's okay. I'm, well, I'm flat here. We won't, we won't stall. This is a tough one. So the Colin first character in Love actually was uh, Jamie. And the wrestler who choked out Vince McMahon was Nails with a Z. Jimmy Nails. Jimmy Nails. Mm. All right. 2001, losing starting job, eats at blank. Blank claims he is too light to effectively play defensive end in the NFL, and until he can gain weight and keep it on, his struggles figure to continue. This is someone who played in 2000 and 2001 with the Bills, 02 with the Texans, and 03 and 04 with the then St. Louis Rams. His six starts with the Bills in 2001 were the only six starts of his career. He went to Arizona State, and I think this will be the big hint. Uh, He was a round one pick by the Bills in 2000, and usually slots around number three or number four on the team's biggest draft busts of all time. Eric Flowers. Eric Flowers. Good job, Scott. Very well done. All right, here to go. 1995, $8,000 paycheck stolen from Bill's player's car. Uh, Buffalo Bill's reserve fullback blank reported that his $8,000 paycheck was stolen from his car while the vehicle was being serviced. Blank told town of Hamburg police Wednesday that he left the check and his checkbook in the vehicle while he was having the oil change at a South Park Avenue location Wednesday evening and later discovered them missing. Police said they planned to t- they talked to the chip employees of the oil change facility today. They assumed the check will be difficult to cash and the bills will have stop payment on it. So the hints here, this was an undraft. He was undrafted by the bills in 94 out of the football powerhouse, uh, the University of Western Ontario which is in Canada, played with the Bills through 1997. He is probably most remembered for his only career rushing touchdown, which was a 44-yard TD run on December 30th, 1995, in a playoff game against the Miami Dolphins. That was the one I mentioned that was his, the Bills' last win uh, in the playoffs. In fact, uh, in a 2020 article on that game, this player said, it was all blur. I lined up next to Thurman. My number got called, and things seemed to open up, and the next thing I knew, I was in the end zone. Uh, this oh, is one of those. So, this is one of those deals where, I mean, I, Scott up got got up by like forty five points in the first half, and I'm just, <laughs> I'm trying, I'm just, you're just playing out already. the string at this point. <clears throat> I hate, I, I like it does. You could just like hand me the ball, and I'm like, I, I can't. I, can't. <laughs> I got nothing. All right, Tim Tyndale. Tim Tyndale. Okay. Tim. All right, last person. one, guys. I think this. Yep. Is, I think we're gonna go out a winner. We'll see if I'm right. This is not a slam dunk, but it's doable. 
Okay. Bills stop Marino and Dolphins. Buffalo proves earlier win was no fluke in 27 nothing victory. This is from 1987, by the way. Sorry. Cool. That. If the Miami Dolphins were embarrassed by the Bills earlier this season, they must feel humiliated now. The Bills upset by comments made by linebacker Jackie Ship and other Dolphins after a 34-31 victory over Miami in overtime, the first post-strike game. Trunks the Dolphins 27 to nothing Sunday. We were really pumped up, especially after Jackie Ship made comments about it really hurts inside to lose to Buffalo. Bills quarterback Jim Kelly said everybody took it personally. The Bills also halted Dan Marino's streak of 30 consecutive games with at least one TD pass. So the question, blank, ran for 119 yards, and Kelly completed 15 of 21 for 217. Buffalo took both games against Miami for the first time since 1966, which was 21 years. So this is interesting. So he ran for 119 yards. This was his only 100 career only career 100 yard game, but this is not an obscure player. He played four seasons with the team uh, and then went on to the then San Diego Chargers and played six seasons there, earning a Pro Bowl nod in a Larry Centers type role as a good pass catching running back, which Bills fans will probably find ironic when it comes to their strongest memory of this player who had a 12 season career. I so. The only guy I'm thinking of is Joe Cribbs, but like, there's no way that it's Joe Cribbs because he must have had a hundred yard game. Yeah, he had he had a, he had numerous hundred yard games. This was and a, this is obviously before Thurman. Before he Thurman, he was a teammate of Thurman in '88 and '89, which were his last two seasons with the Bills. They they were definitely on the field together at at numerous points when teams used to have you know utilize two running backs. Yeah, uh, more prominently than they do now, and occasionally have a running back and a fullback now, but almost never two running backs. Um, famed American writer and happy birthday, Samuel Clemens. Oh, Mark, good old Mark Twain. Happy birthday, Mark. Yeah. Um, I'll give I'll give the the most obvious hint I can think of. So I mentioned it would be those fans will consider it ironic that he's known as a great pass catching running back because he dropped one in the playoffs that ended his tenure in Buffalo. And he got back to the huddle. It would have won the game for the Bills. And he said to Jim Kelly that, hey, next time throw it sooner. And Kelly wouldn't even look at him. He ran the same pattern. The next plane was wide open. And Kelly didn't even look at him. Instead, he threw an interception in the end zone. And the Bills lost their their playoff game. Very mature of Jim Kelly. (laughs) I'll take this. I will take this. What I say. Right. My guess is my guess is recently suspended for taking PEDs wide receiver Will Fuller up the Texans. Uh, good good breaking news there, too. Uh, the answer, uh, I was hoping we'd get it, but alas, Ronnie Harmon. Ronnie Harmon, damn it. It's all right. Damn it. A little before our, our Times Bills fans, but he had the, there was a picture of him in Sports Illustrated dropping that pass in the end zone in the playoff game against Cleveland. And that was uh, this day in Bills headlines for November 30th. Um, I thank you so much, Paul, again, for that segment. And I just am like so disheartened by like how awfully I performed. I just that's it. Scott, some weeks Scott's going to carry the load. Some weeks you're going to carry I the load. Really? And then like, most weeks, neither of you really carries. The Scott, load. Is, so I think, Scott, you were I mean, that was transcendent. Let's be honest. Like that was an absolute like zone a little bit you zoned out. And the, yeah, like, you're, yeah. Like, you're like Scott uh, streak Hill, literally like, yeah, ended with the name yeah. of someone who never took a snap for the bills in Tavares Jackson. Like that's impressive. Yes. Um, 
there is like redonkulous amounts of breaking news with the league be, right now happening, and I'm trying yeah, not to. Yeah, tweet deck it. is crazy. I'm trying not to be distracted yeah. by. Uh, Will, Will, Will Fuller is suspended for six games. Um, there is stuff about the Eagles owner saying that he's now telling them who to play at quarterback. Yep, Bench Wentz. If hurts, if if play hurts, if Wentz continues to struggle, Louis uh, DiBiase is retweeting this. Right, but we are here. We are here to discuss the two and a half point favorite. Buffalo Bills uh, will be playing not in Levi's Stadium, but in Arizona Stadium. They returned to the House of Horrors uh, from just a few weeks ago to play the 49ers in Arizona um, because no one's allowed to do anything in San Francisco at the moment. Um, and so, you know, Bills Niners, Niners obviously down on um, talent wise, like Jimmy Garoppolo not playing right still. Right. And George Garoppolo Kittle will still be out, I'm pretty sure. What was I'm that? Not Scott? Sure about Kittle. Yeah, Garoppolo's done for the year. I'm not sure about Kittle. I was looking at their depth chart. It is healthier, but they they have had offensive problems ever since Garoppolo came out. They've struggled to get past about 20 the last couple of weeks. Right. Niners George Wire Kittle, in an article yeah. two weeks ago, Niners Wire says George Kittle could return this season if 49ers stay in playoff hunt, but it's yeah. really tough to find more. It's, it was given an eight week timeline in week seven, so I don't think he's playing because that'd be yeah, good. that's a tight window. Okay. Um, well, so they're down some offensive people, but as, as Paul pointed out, they did win this week. Um, they're not terrible. Um, they destroyed the Patriots. Remember that game we were watching last month. Yeah. That was a different 49ers team granted, but still. Yeah. They squeaked out a win against the, against the, um, who is it? The, the, the Rams this week, the Rams who were also no slouch. Um, so Buffalo goes back to Arizona. Um, and that's, that's what they do. It's funny that they could be 2-0 and in Buffalo and 0-2 in Arizona against the NFC West, which would be sort of funny. Um, but what do we make of this game, Scott? I, I, I don't know where to start here with the Niners, but, you know, Bills are still yeah. favored on the road. Yeah, I mean, the, the Niners, uh, the defense not quite as dominant as it has been in years past, but still a lot of talent. Um, you've got Fred Warner in there, who's a really great linebacker. Um, Sherman's back on the outside. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jimmy Ward, a solid safety uh, Kinlaw and Armstead uh, up front, uh, you know, not quite as, you know, they, they let go of, I don't forget who some of the um, the bigger talent, one of the big talents. They have Deion Jordan, who's a uh, an old first round pick from Miami as a backup. D Ford's on IR for the year. That was that's kind of a bigger hit for them because they lost. I forget, like Rucker, maybe DeForest, Bru- DeForest, Brooke. Bruckner. Buckner is it? DeForest yeah, Buckner? he he left as a free agent. They let him go, and they brought in I think Alex Barrett, who's I think another first round pick. So uh, it's really uh, still a pretty solid defense, though though uh, a, a bit dinged uh, as as a lot of teams are at this point. Um, the offensive line um, still pretty solid. Trent Williams, obviously, most recently of Washington, now kind of uh, moved on. Uh, Mike McGlinchey at right tackle, some talent there, um, but also a bit of um, but not not dominant on offense, um, obviously, with Kittle on IR and, um, you know, uh, and Garoppolo on IR. It's the skill position that's really hurting them. Um, they still have Mostert at running back. Um, he's obviously very good. Um, they've got some some kind of young talent a bit at wide receiver with Debo Samuel. Um, Brandon Ayuk looks like he's out, um, so I'm not sure if he's going to be in on Sunday. I think the Bills have the firepower to win. I think... They are gonna need the defense to to show up and kind of keep this 
game manageable. I don't think that the offense is going to be able to run away, but I think if the defense shows up, <clears throat> this could be a comfortable win. I'm not sure we'll get all the way there. So I will say Bills um, 24, Niners 17. All right, yeah. it's. Uh, I was kind of hoping the 49ers would fade away into the sunset by virtue of, of their season seemingly crashing to a halt with injuries and COVID and just every bad break you can imagine in their NFC title defense season. But obviously last week against the Rams, uh, they don't have Adam Gase as a coach, so they're going to keep keep trying. And, and uh, that'll be uh, it'll be a challenge for the Bills. Scott talked about all the talent that still remains on defense, despite the players they lost uh, offensively. You know, they they were able to put up it was it 20 or 23 points against the Rams, which is slightly better than league average. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's going to be I think it's going to be a battle. I'm going to say it can go either way, uh, which is a very bold prediction, I know. But uh, as a result, I will choose a one-point victory for the Bills. Uh, 28-27 will be my pick. I think that Buffalo, I mean, look, I'm going to boil it down to Nick Mullins, okay? I can't believe in anybody named Nick <laughs> Mullins. I'm sorry. Um, Thanks for jinxing I, it, Frank, because yeah, right. 500-yard career game. Yeah, right. Uh, no, I think that, <clears throat> I think I'm more with Scott on this. I think it's a one to two score victory. I, I don't, it doesn't mean that it won't be close, Paul, you know, as, as, as you're this the, you're the guy out. who's 10 and one. So again, yeah, what right? you're I saying mean, isn't I'm... a prediction. It's a spoiler. <laughs> Paul Heyman, <laughs> <laughs> the reigning undefeated, undisputed. I like, always like when Paul lets on that he's watching more wrestling than, than <laughs> um, but <laughs> the, the um, uh, but sorry, the, yeah, I, I'm looking at this and I'm, I'm thinking that, you know, Buffalo has shown this is a good game for Buffalo to show that even without all their weapons, they, they can, you know, and by all their weapons, I mean just everybody except John Brown. They can still do some things. I think that you you can't keep Stefan Diggs down um, like you did this week. Um, I think that you look at Josh Allen and um, he'll want to have a bounce back game. I think, uh, you, you know, they'll have some good answers for what to do against San Francisco. And I think with the addition of Milano back and the fact that the defense has been relatively stable and getting healthier overall, that's going to bode well for them, too. So I expect a good I, you know what? I expect a good win. I'm going to say 30 to 23. Really, I think it'll be 30 to 20, but I'll say 30 to 23 to, you know, because, you know, maybe they maybe they will jinx themselves somehow, some way. But in any event, I'm excited uh, to watch them because that will be a good thing. And you can watch them and tell us what you think about them on Monday night. Don't forget to set your, your clocks to that. Scott will, of course, watch them Tuesday morning or possibly Wednesday afternoon, depending on when Sky News Sky lets him watch it. Um, <laughs> but or if the, the game um, is scheduled to 2 a.m. our time, which is plausible, he could just watch it live. Yeah, he could just, right. Depend, it, it could be that, like, it's the third game and it starts at, at you know... In, in a fortnight later um <laughs> anyway uh you can give us your thoughts and such uh bills mny on the twitter sorry no bills mny on facebook mny bills on twitter because fuck social media that i can't just change things um mny bills on twitter is the best place to get a hold of us you theoretically could send us an email but we don't do that uh buffalo bills maybe next year find us on the tweet on the Oh, fuck. It's the internet, guys. You know how to find us. Until <laughs> next time, my name is Frank. I'm Scott. I'm Paul. Good night, everyone.